Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It may be the middle of the NFL offseason, but there is plenty to wager on at betonline.ag. Baseball is back, the NHL and NBA are in full swing, and there are even NFL draft props to bet on as we lead up to the end of April. Make sure you go to betonline.ag to check out their wide betting selection and start wagering today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you. Hope everybody had a great weekend. If you celebrate Easter, hope you guys had a great Easter. We are back here on a Monday, continuing to just parse through, to destroy, to dismantle, to absolutely disrupt Jamie's work because he's worked very hard putting together his, uh, his, his way too early rankings list for all the positions. And it is Jake and I's responsibility to come here with questions. We are here to grill Jamie about these lists. Today's list, the tight ends. We did quarterbacks last week. So if you missed that, you're going to want to go back and check that out. Tight ends here today on the list. So Jake and I have prepared our questions, but before we get into that, Jamie, you can set the stage. Once again, your top 12 tight ends, you can go through the list. If you want, if you want to add your thoughts along the way, go right ahead, but here set the table for us. What are we getting into the top 12 tight ends in your way too early rankings for 2021? Well, let's get the first of my cheap plugs out of the way here. You can go to thedraftnetwork.com and click on the fantasy tab to see these and all of the other rankings available right now. My way too early quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. I go 30 deep on this tight ends list, but we'll talk about the top 12 right now. Just going to rattle off some names and we'll get into these individuals and we'll talk about them throughout the show. Uh, the very top of the list is not going to surprise anybody. Number one, Travis Kelsey. Number two, George Kittle. Number three, Darren Waller. Uh, we can debate order at some point a little bit, but... Those are the consensus top three tight ends in fantasy, and I don't believe there's any reasonable argument to be made otherwise. I have Mark Andrews, number four. Rookie Kyle Pitts, number five on team to be determined. Noah Fant at six. TJ Hawkinson at seven. Logan Thomas, the breakout star from last year at the position at eight. Robert Tunyon at nine. Mike Jacecki, 10. Hunter Henry, the new Patriot at 11. And Dallas Goddard at 12. So those will be my top 12. Kelsey Kittle, Waller, Andrews, Pitts, Fant, Hawkinson, Thomas, Tanyan, Jacecki, Henry, and Goddard. So let's get into the questions, the more specifics. Obviously, you don't have to write all that down. You can see it at thedraftnetwork.com. We're not going to talk about every single one of those guys individually, but we're going to kind of bounce around this list, talk about names that we did not mention so far. Uh, who wants to kick it off, Chris? You, you're playing point guard. Yeah, all Jake's right, raising his hand, so I'll let Jake go first. Go ahead, Jake. No offense. It's yes. six. I dig it. You guys know I love the talent. Dune can absolutely freaking run. But if they're healthy on offense, we've talked about how explosive this offense can be. A lot of mouths to feed. He might be the best weapon in this offense. Is this assuming Drew Locke is his quarterback? Are you assuming he has a different quarterback throwing him the ball? Because the one thing I'll say about Locke when it comes to fans, they've got some chemistry. But when you get these other guys back, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy in year two, there's a lot going on to be at six, man. Yeah, I, I am assuming that Locke is back at least for most of the season uh, in this spot. And it's really that connection. And I, I think there's a drop off after that top four or five. And then you kind of get into this middle class here where I would love to have Hawkinson higher, for example. But the quarterback situation is so different there now where he would have been pretty clearly probably my tight end five if Stafford were still there. But why I kind of put Fant there at six is kind of the start of a new tier for me. So I do love the connection he has with Drew Locke. 
in the games last year that Locke started, Fant averaged 6.8 targets per game with him, which would have been tied for the fifth most of the position. Uh, so I think that is something that you start to look at and say there's going to be at least some target volume there. Colin Sutton's going to come back, but I think Fant will be a player that's still going to get his targets. It might come at the expense of a Tim Patrick. It might come at the expense of a little bit of even a Jerry Judy. Uh, but I still think Fant is going to get his with Drew Locke. And even if they bring in a rookie, I don't know if that rookie is starting right away. And even if they are, we have seen rookies kind of lean toward those tight end options as kind of a safety blanket. It's a bit of a projection. He was a tight end 12 last year in fantasy points per game. You're asking for a little bit of a bump from him. He didn't have all those games with Drew Locke. As you know, we had Jeff Driscoll and, and others playing quarterback there. Brett Rippon uh, was playing quarterback at times for Denver last year. But to me, this is kind of the start of a tier break for me. I think you have the clear top three which is in a tier of itself, that two-man second tier with Andrews and Pitts we've talked about a little bit. Actually, we talked a little bit about that on the live show, Chris, that we did last Wednesday. If you have not checked it out yet, the, the Panini live show where we talked about Mark Andrews. Then I think there's this third tier that starts with Noah Fant, and it goes pretty deep there. Of I'm kind of project, You have to project all of these guys a little bit, whether it's Fant to kind of continue to get this production with Drew Locke, Hawkinson, how is he going to be with Jared Goff? Can Logan Thomas do it again? What does Tunyon's touchdown percentage look like this year? Does Dusecki and, and Tua look a lot more like they did in the final month of the year than they did earlier? There's a lot of projection for these guys in this 6 to, you know, 15, 16. Hey, yeah, I was going to say 6 to 18. This tier yeah. could, get, could get big. So this that's going to be kind of one where you have – this is where I would, I would say just dig in on your research, whether it's – through my rankings, whether it's somebody else's rankings, whether it's your personal projections. Again, I'll be doing projections for all of these players and these rankings will move as we get closer to the season. But this is one of those years where if you're not going to pay up for one of those top tight ends, kind of find two or three of these guys that you think are undervalued or you think are going to break out for you. Because I do think this group of tight ends here, there's not going to be a lot of difference where I, I think the best chance to succeed are the guys at the top with like Fanton Hawkinson, but you know, if you like some of these guys a little bit lower, I'm not going to blame you. I'll tell you what I love about Fant, though, in, th in this rank. If he could stay healthy, compared to all these other tight ends, is a big playability. The ability to really be able to run and get down the field, run after the catch, is more like Kittle than the rest of these guys in that third tier, right? Like, I can see him having 40, 50, 60-yard touchdowns. I'm not really sure we could say that about a lot of other guys in that, in that tier three, where he's more like Waller, Kittle. If Kelsey gets down the field. He, Kelsey just has massive volume. But if Fant has five or six catches, you can see him almost having wide receiver production because one of those is going to be for 30, 40, or 50 yards. I think the important thing too, Jamie, and you kind of touched on it, is after Fant, I think everybody has a big question mark right below him. There's one big question mark that you can point out for every one of those guys that stops them from being re replacing Fant on this board, and that's what leads him uh, to being number six. I want to talk about the guy that you have directly in front of Noah Fant, and that's Kyle Pitts. Let's have the Kyle Pitts conversation here on the show. Tight end five hasn't played a snap in the National Football League. That's how talented this kid is. Jamie, you're, you're putting him at five, not yes. knowing where he's playing. Could where he end up have him supplant Mark Andrews at tight end four, or is he entrenched at tight end five no matter where he goes? I don't know if I'm going to feel comfortable putting him above Andrews yet just because we've seen it from Mark Andrews. We know we're going to get the offense isn't changing. The coordinator's not changing. The quarterback's not changing. Like we know what it's going to, what that offense is going to look like with him. And the what fact if he that falls to the chart, what if he falls to the chargers? Uh, 
then I, I would consider. I know, I know they signed Jared Cook, but like, I, I, I don't think he's getting out of the top ten. As you know, we have we have a mighty swell bet on this. I, but, I know, I know. Um, you know, I don't know if I'm going to feel comfortable with that because I think you start to look at like most likely landing spots. We've talked about Atlanta, talked about Cincinnati. There's some others that are that are kind of hanging around there. I think his ranking there at five is two pronged. It's partly the fact that he's just an unbelievable talent that I think is going to make a, a major impact right away as essentially a wide receiver that is labeled as a tight end. And the fact there are so many question marks that we just kind of touched on in the Noah Fant conversation from six on to 18. So I felt like, okay, if I'm going to slot him somewhere in here, I does he have more? I guess he has more question marks because we don't know where he's playing yet. But once he is drafted, is he going to have more question marks than anybody else below them? And is there a chance that this quarterback is going to be Matt Ryan or Joe Burrow? Or, you know, so at, at that point, we're having that conversation of he could go to an offense that could have a lot of success with two teams that have defenses that are going to make sure the offense is going to get a lot of work in both the first and second half of these games, he's going to be an option that's ready to play. He's an athletic freak. He's essentially a wide receiver that you're playing at the tight end position. I, I Right now, I have no issues with him there. I, I don't know if I'm going to ever feel comfortable moving him up. It's possible he ends up moving down. I just, to me, this is a kind of a spot where I would take a chance on him. Like, Let me ask I, you this. Now, this is the way too early show, yes. right, James? So, like, will he be the most highly overdrafted guy at the position? Yes. Like when we start talking about ADPs and we get into like the actual draft, will he be the guy that people are going nuts regardless? Because yes. now we'll know the situation. We'll know the health, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I could see him being like people taking in, in the third, the late second to go along with some of these other guys and maybe taking ahead of Andrews in a lot of time, in a lot of situations. I don't anticipate I'm going to have a lot of shares of him only because of that. Like, I think he will be ranked as my tight end five, but where I feel comfortable in the overall rounds of taking the tight end five, I bet you it's going to be different than where the ADP is. Like, I think that yep. that's a conversation to be had as well. Like he could be tight end five, let's say across the board for people or tight end four, whatever you want to have it. But for me, there, there's, it, we're talking like I had Mark Andrews in, I did a seven round the way too early mock. I had Mark Andrews, I believe in the seventh round uh, of that. I wouldn't take Pitts in the seven. So I, I would consider him in round eight, maybe even early round eight. But I don't think that's where he's going to go. Like, I know he's going to go in the, the fifth or sixth round, and I just have to be okay yeah. with that. I just, to me, is I, I'm not comfortable enough with this tight end six through 18 or whatever to say that, you know what? I'm going to take a shot on this upside here. The problem is going to be, like you said, Jake, people are going to go nuts and kind of take him where he, where he shouldn't go. And look, the best part about this kid though, man, he's a freak, but you know he's what? Mike Evans with quicker feet that actually plays that position, but at Florida, they moved him all over the place. And, and here's the I thing mean, with him. Crazy. It, it, if he goes in the fifth round, I can't confidently say he won't return that value. I'm not going to be the one to do it. I'm not going to be one to take him there. Cause I just think the other positional value you give up at running back or even top wide receivers are going to put you in a bind, but I can't tell you he's not going to return that value. Like he's got a really good chance. And if you go, let's say he goes to Cincinnati, for example, let's just, let's just throw that out there. There was a connection before the major injury where we saw Burrow lean fairly heavily on CJ Uzoma. Yeah. And with all due respect to CJ Uzoma, he ain't Kyle Pitts. So like we're starting and Uzoma was like a top seven tight end for that. Two, yeah. It was a two week stretch. I get it. It's short, the small sample size, but I mean, there's some really interesting options for him. I, I don't think I could take him where he's going to go ADP wise, but I think where he's going to go among tight ends. Like if you want to put him a tight end four, I'm not going to really fight you hard on it. I don't think you can I think put it's him worth the top three. 
No, no, no. I think it's worth noting too. That we're talking about a tight end. We're talking about tight end transitioning to the NFL. The freak size, if they split him out and he's basically a de facto receiver. Okay. The kid, I'll give him credit. He, he won't really block, but he'll stick his face in there. Like he got better the last two years at, at Florida doing that. But sticking your face in there in the NFL and sticking your face in there in college, even in the SEC, ain't the same thing. He stayed healthy, but will he get broken down depending on what situation, what scheme he's in, if he's got to stick his face in there a little bit more than he did in college? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he's a big dude, and he, he was willing to do it. I'll give him his props. He don't do it very well. He's willing he to stick his face in there. And if you're willing to stick your face in there, that means you're going to hit in the mouth. I'm a little bit worried about situationally and scheme-wise where he ends up, depending on how much motion they have, how much he's got to be almost a lead blocker. You think about like the Buccaneers offense, Larry Fitzgerald, Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne, they were slot receivers that came in and kind of blocked his own fullback. If he's one of these almost H-back moving tight ends because they want to have him you know, mobile in that offense – that would scare me a little bit, especially if you're talking about taking him in the fourth or fifth round. I'll add to this conversation. I'll throw this out there. This might be a hype train moment. Jake might call me the hype train for this. Kyle Pitts might be the, the most overdrafted rookie from this class. Very, I mean, like very. When I think quite, about quite it. Quite possibly, man. I mean, that's the kid's a freak. You can't help but like, and I'm not a huge pro day guy. His pro day was, was fine. It was nice, whatever. His tape guys that can run an arrow route or like John Brown, like little quick, not six, six, 245 pound dudes to run four, four that have long legs and arrow routes. You go in, you fake, you stop, you come back out. Guys can't do that. He did it and had like four yards of separation. I guess guys that are going to be drafted. Mm-hmm. You go back and watch his JC horn tape. It just manhandled a guy. That's probably going to be a top 12 pick. There's reasons why people are going to do it, but you got to remind yourself what Jamie says all the time. A rookie is a rookie, and it is a hard transition. I don't care how good you are. There's going to be moments he's going to flash. Because people are going to get him, they're going to get him in the right situation. Tough. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I like I, – Jamie, I'm just looking at it. I look at the two running backs that more than likely are going to be discussed a bunch in fantasy and Travis Etienne and Najee Harrison. We'll get into those when we yeah. do the running back. But I really think Kyle Pitts fits that mold of the guy, the name that everybody in the fantasy league who doesn't watch college football, who doesn't follow the NFL draft as closely as the three of us do, are going to see Kyle Pitts go in the first round. And when it comes to fantasy, Dave, they're going to be like, that's the guy I want on my team, uh, hook, no matter what. Yeah, look, he's a player that I think has – an unbelievably high ceiling, but also a fairly low floor as a rookie. Like you just, you have to consider it is going to be a risky pick. And it, traditionally ends one of the hardest, hardest, hardest positions in fantasy to be productive right away. Like it, it's just, it's been inevitable. It's, it's happened across the board. You know, we're, we're leaning more towards what tight ends were asked to do five, six, 10 years ago. It's not the same for all tight ends being what they're asked to do now which changes things a little bit. He's also, he's also a freak on like a lot of these other tight ends. I mean, we, we don't see these top 10 tight ends that often. We saw it with Hawkinson. We saw it with, you know, Vernon Davis, you know, Eric Ebron, I believe was, was in that range-ish top part of her. Like we've seen these happen before, but it doesn't happen that often. You have to understand if you're going to take him, that there is a tremendous amount of risk there that you are going to spend a, fairly high draft pick on somebody that might not be a top 12 tight end if things take some time. But you're also putting yourself in a position where there are not many reliable tight ends on the field right now in fantasy for from a week to week basis. And if he can prove to be that he will be a tremendous asset to you if he can be a top five tight end, you're just basically going to have to pay full price, you're going to have to pay as if he is a top five tight end 
right now and then hope he returns the value. I wouldn't bet against him to do it. I'm just not sure I'm going to be the one to take the risk at what I believe his ADP is going to be. The the crazy thing is the guys you just mentioned are really good players, and none of them are even close to his physical attributes and tools. I mean, the dude has a wingspan bigger than Makai Becton. That catch radius, when he figures out the nuances of zone, is going to be ridiculous. When you think about some of these high back shoulder throws going down the steam over a linebacker if he gets the right situation with quarterback, he makes all those catches. Not a lot of guys that can do that. And they're damn sure not a lot of guys that run 4-4 at that size that can separate like that. I see everything. It's like it's, that was almost the like most rational hype train thing ever. It's a great question, Chris. I, I, I'm, I'm on the train with this kid. It's just a matter of where he ends up and what you're going to have to pay for him. I, I, I 100% think he'll be the most overdrafted rookie in fantasy. And I think the one point that leads in that favor for for you, both of you in that is that there is nobody else like for Najee Harris, there's an ETN and there's a Javante Williams and there's going to be other running backs that we get interesting. You know, like kind of Gainwell goes somewhere where you think he's going to play on third down. He's going to be a, a sexy sleeper pick. That's not actually a sleeper pick to anybody, you know, at wide receiver, Obviously, most have Chase as their wide receiver one, but people like Devonta Smith. People like Jalen Waddle. You know, I'm of the mind that I think maybe the most productive season comes from the the Terrence Marshall or the Rashad Batemans of the world, just because they could find themselves on really good offenses on playoff teams right away. There is no other tight end. You're not taking Friermuth in fantasy. You're not taking Brevin Jordan in fantasy. Like you just you're not taking these players. So if you start to look at some of these. You know, you're not taking Tommy Tremble. Like you start to look at the position and there's one rookie tight end you're taking. There's exactly one. And I think that being in and of itself and the fact that if he does go in the top five on draft day, the amount of hype of casual fans that might not be, you know, they probably, they don't listen to this podcast. They don't, they don't go to the draftnetwork.com. They're not, they're not, they like to play fantasy football, but they're more casual players. They're going to know about Kyle Pitts and go, wow, this guy went in the top five. And by the way, might be the only non-quarterback to go in the top five, depending on how things happen. So he's going to have a lot of hype coming in. And again, I can't say it's unjustifiable. I just, you have to understand that this goes back to even, and we'll have this again when we talk about, we talked about him on the Wednesday Panini show. We'll talk about him again when we do our running back show next week about this. It goes back to Saquon Barkley for different reasons, but you are going to pay 100% of the price and there is no upside there. So if he gives you anything less than your exact top five value, it's going to be a, a less than ideal pick for you in fantasy. And, yeah, I still love the, him though. And, and those casual players that you mentioned, Jamie, that could buy into the hype, those are the landmines that you have to avoid as a fantasy manager. That Those are the things you have to keep in mind when putting together your big board. All right, let's keep this conversation going. Jake, you're ne- next up on your question list for Jamie when it comes to these tight end rankings. Jamie, read me 13 through 18 quickly. 13 through 18, in order. Janu Smith, Hayden Hurst, Irv Smith Jr., Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby, and Eric Ebron. So this is the crazy tier for me. I mean, it's still part of this really long three or tier three. These are good players that finished really high last year. A couple of them, Hayden Hurst was solid all year. Never really had this high, like monster game, but only had a few, you know, low floor games. Herb Smith Jr. with no Kyle Rudolph, I'm very interested. Now you're talking about a guy highly touted coming out of Alabama, but played the two tight end set. Now he's the dude. Which one of those two guys do you think has a chance to finish higher and jump into this uh, higher up this tier three. I kind of think both of them, but I, I think Irv Smith could break out. 
they're both interesting guys for me for both reasons. I, I would pick Irv Smith of the two with Kyle Rudolph not there. Is he going to become more of a red zone threat if some of those touchdowns that we talked about uh, with Adam Thielen on previous shows go somewhere else? Would they go start to go to Irv Smith Jr. in the red zone a little bit more? Because we have seen him flash at times, but he's never been the guy. Since he's been in Minnesota, he's never been the tight end. So I'm really intrigued by him to see if he can kind of push that upside up. Hurst is another one that's interesting to me. If they obviously, if they don't take pits uh, at four, that tight end in that offense and what Arthur Smith wants to do. And if they start using more play action, it gets really interesting. And there's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, but he's a player that, you know, last year was, I would thought he was going to be in like a borderline tight end one. He ended up finishing his tight end 17 in average fantasy points per game. Like he was solid. He had some good weeks, but he never really took off second year with the team. Offense that has said, you know, we've had had we have seen some success in Tennessee with their tight ends with the system that Arthur Smith ran. I, I still think his upside is a little bit more limited because I don't think he's going to catch a ton of touchdowns. You still have Julio Jones there, you still have Calvin Ridley. He's still going to be the fourth ish option on that team, no matter what. And there's still a potential chances we're talking about these rankings if you were drafting right now that they add somebody else. For Minnesota, I think Irv Smith is going to be a top two red zone threat for them alongside Adam Thielen. And I think he's going to be a guy that has a better chance to score more touchdowns than Hayden Hurst. So I think he is somebody that can rise up a little bit. And this is where I go into these two guys in this group of, do you like any of these players? Is, is there something about them? Is there some upside you believe in? Is there something that there's something you saw either on film or, or watching them late last year that says, you know what? I kind of like their chances to do this better this year. You know, because all of these guys, like if I'm not going to take a tight end early, it's not the end of the world for me if I walk in with either one of those guys as my tight end one or really anybody else that we just named on that list. Like, I think that, you know, they're not all going to end up being there, but I don't think the the ceiling floor for some of these guys are that far apart from each other in this range. These guys feel a lot like the quarterback rankings to me, right? Like you had your top guys if you want to pay that premium. But for the first time in a while, this tight end group in this, this tier three, especially there's a couple more guys on my, on my next question, but I will let Chris run with it first. But like, I'm cool. Like if I go in with this and I wait, there's a bunch of guys in this tier three that I'm fine being tight end one. Now you might want to have two on your team just to back this up injuries. Maybe they're not as hot as they were last year, that kind of stuff. But like it got really thin last year that you were like, Oh my God, there's not a tight end out there. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like we actually have like 20 that are very viable options. All right, Jamie, I got a question for you. And after the Kyle Pitts question that I asked, this is the thing when I was compiling what I wanted to ask you was the thing that I just, I I couldn't, I had to write it down. I I couldn't, I didn't know the answer. So I needed to have this conversation with you. The New England Patriots tight end situation is what I would like to discuss here on the show. Now you have, correct me if I'm wrong. You have Hunter Henry as the highest ranked New England tight end at 11. And you have Jonu Smith at 13. So they're close, but you picked Hunter Henry over Jonu Smith. Take me through that thought process and take me through what led you to put Hunter Henry as high as you did at 11. So I'm splitting the difference here a little bit. Um, I don't believe both of them are going to finish as top 13 tight ends, but I have to kind of split the difference a little bit here because I think one of them does. I've gone back and forth on how I think they're going to be used in this offense because to me, I think if you're going to use them – I think Jonu Smith is going to be more should be, and it wasn't how he was used last year, but should be more of the bigger play run after catch, get the ball in his hands down the field, red zone type of threat where I think Hunter Henry can be more of those run those short to intermediate routes over the middle of the field, be that true dump down option or that, 
that you know check down option for Cam Newton, who by the way had an average depth of target last year of seven point three yards. Uh, just it was not great. So I, I, in that sense, to me, I think Hunter Henry can be the more the more higher volume option for Cam Newton. Where I think you're looking at John o. Smith is more of a touchdown option for him. It's really close to me between the two. Um, I was really excited about John o. Smith for a second there, uh, and then they signed Hunter Henry, and it kind of just depressed everybody's value there. Where I thought, man, you know, John o. Smith being alone in New England would have helped his value. Hunter Henry going back to LA would have significantly helped his value. But here we're kind of we are. I'll be honest with you, I don't have a strong feeling about one over the, uh, one over the other. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, if I was in a best ball league, I would go with John U. Smith because I think he'll have some of the bigger, like top end games overall. I just kind of like Hunter Henry's floor a little bit more in this. But man, you know, I I know one of these two guys is probably going to have a pretty solid fantasy season, and maybe both of them are in the top 18, 17. But I don't have a great feeling for because I got to see what this offense looks like. I got to see what Cam Newton looks like. I got to see how they're going to use them. Right. Like, I'm not afraid of any of the weapons they have on the outside. Like, I mean, these yeah, guys see, are if Cam get Newton's work. even the quarterback. Yeah. Like, but it also feels Jamie that those two guys and, and no offense to either of them. Cause I think both everybody on this show likes both of the, the players that we're talking about. I think based on situation, they could easily be unseated by guys that are behind them in that tier that we just talked about. Yeah, they could like, like I, they're with ease. I think and, and guys, this we're still to... talking about Cam Newton. If yeah. Cam Newton's their quarterback. It scares the hell out of me for both of them. Like Cam Newton with Greg Olson. Lovely. Throw that corner route to the tight. Neither one of these guys are Greg Olson in his prime, and Cam damn sure ain't Cam from those days. It's like, and I don't know that Cam's going to be the quarterback. If if Jimmy Garoppolo still ends up in New England, I like both of them more than I like Cam, with Cam. Right? I yeah. mean, this is both of them scream to me overdrafted, and both of them scream to me they won't live up to where you draft them. Jake, next up on your question list. So I'm going to go with two guys farther down the list that had really good years last year. that got better and better. Eric Ebron was a steal. I said before the season, I had a feeling he was going to break out at some point in his chemistry with Ben and the way they were going to use him in that offense. And they did. And he had the drops. He could have been even better. And then Gronk was really slow for a while, but Gronk still has these big spike games where he's a left tackle and he blocks in one playoff game. And then he has two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I like where you have him ranked. But they're two guys I would damn sure keep my eye on if I got one guy a little bit earlier because I think both of them are going to fall. Gronk will probably get overdrafted. But Ebron's volume, I don't really see being a whole lot different. Randy Fickner's gone. Canada's in as the offensive coordinator, which means Ben gets exactly what he wants. Are they going to try to run it more? Probably, but basically Ben's still the offensive coordinator. He's got another one of his guys. I don't see a whole lot changing there. What say you, Jamie, on on those two guys? We're talking like way down the list. You could get Gronk and Eric Ebron. Yeah, so I have Eric Ebron right now at tight end 18, Gronk at tight end 21. And if that seems low, it is. And I think he, here's my thought process here. I do. I expect both of those tight ends to finish higher than where I have them ranked. The reason why they are ranked there is I like the potential upside of some of the players in front of them, that if I'm going to get this far down these tight end lists in a single tight end league, I want to take a chance on one of these guys above them first to see if any one of these players, if it's a the Irv Smith juniors, the Hayden Hurst, even the Tyler Higby now with Matthew Stafford and being the new Hawkinson for him, can one of those guys spike up? Where I think you have a solid floor with Gronk and Ebron, but I don't think either one of them are going to be top eight tight ends. 
And, and I think that's where this kind of changes for me. You know, last year, Gronk was tight end 13, Ebron tight end 14. These guys are right next to each other. Back half of the year, about the same tight end 15, tight end 16. So they're guys that I think are going to finish in that like top 18 range. And, you know, they're, they're probably going to finish between 12 and 18. And you kind of know that. I just want to take a chance on some of these other guys that are a little bit higher than them that I think could have that upside. We've already talked about them already. Uh, I just think that if I'm if I'm sitting in this spot, and if it's Gronk, the couple of the other names I have between them are Jared, Gerald Everett in Seattle, Anthony Ferkser is taking over as, as the top tight end in Tennessee. I think I want to kind of see what those guys' upside and potential work volume is in those offense. A couple of them are, are basically becoming the guy in an offense or a guy in or the guy in a new offense for the first time. I want to see how they do first because I think their potential upside to me is higher than either what either Gronk or Ebron can do, knowing that Gronk or Ebron are going to have the higher floor. And I might know two or three weeks in, uh-uh, these guys aren't it. I'm going to go back to the waiver wire or go back to my bench for them. So you mentioned a guy that I was about to write down notes as an extra question that I didn't prepare you for. Gerald Everett's fascinating to me in that offense with Russell Wilson. They can get some chemistry. Him going up, like that one is like, I almost want to take a flyer there and see if I can hit a home run. Cause I think a lot of people are going to forget about the situation and then, okay, I'm going to grab Ebron as well. It's what I did last year. I threw Ebron on my bench and he ended up being my guy for most of the year. And I would go back and forth with him and Hayden Hurst, but I think Everett could really break out. It's another guy we're talking about tight end that needs to learn to stick his face in there. Cause in LA, they moved him all over the place. He was split out a lot. And Higby was the guy that stuck his face in there. What do you think about Gerald Everett in that situation? I think it's very interesting. Cause I wrote about this when he first ended up signing and I think it's, because he's never really had a chance to really be the guy. He was playing about 50% of the snaps. But I, I mentioned this before that Seattle's kind of given us fantasy-relevant tight end play for a, a while now. I mean, when Jimmy Graham was there, he ranked as a top 10 tight end in 2015, 2016, and 2017. We saw Will Disley pop up as a top 10 tight end in 2019 on a per-game basis. So we have seen that position in Seattle have some fantasy success before. We'll see it. I mean, Disley's going to be coming back. We'll see. We'll see where Russell Wilson goes, but that's intriguing to me. Like he's got the athletic profile. He hasn't really been given a chance to play more than about fifty-ish, fifty-five percent of the snaps on offense in LA. If he can end up establishing himself as the guy there, that position in and of itself has become a top ten tight end position landing spot for what on a per game basis for for the last seven or eight years. So it's something to kind of keep in mind. And that's what I'm talking about there, where like, if you told me at the end of the year, Rob Gronkowski's got more fantasy points than Gerald Everett, I don't think anybody would be shocked. But going into the season, give me the chance that I can get Gerald Everett and he can be a top 12 tight end for me that I get it dirt cheap versus going and paying for Rob Gronkowski, who I know is probably going to be a top 16 tight end, but it's going to be in that 12 to 16 range. Jamie, I got one more question here for you before we get to the only question in our pre-show Slack thread that had profanity in it. And you can guess who it came from. It did not come from me. It came from Jake. But it took a little bit. I was surprised that we got that far into the question list before there there was some profanity thrown around. My question has to do uh, with Evan Ingram, who you have ranked as tight end 16 here on this list. Last year, I believe on fantasy points per game finished in PPR formats as tight end 20. And Jamie, this team could add to the offensive weapons with their pick in the first round. But I guess my question is, when I look at this list, when I look at the guys that you put in front of him, this is kind of the ceiling for Evan Ingram, right? That's what it feels yeah. like to me. Evan Ingram's become a name that my eyes just gloss over in fantasy drafts. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, that's the best way I can describe it. Like, I see him. I know he's there. I got to rank him somewhere. I, look, 
uh, I ended up looking at if, if we putting on the minimum games total and going from week one to 16, he was a tight end 17 in average fantasy points per game, finishes a tight end 14 in total points, averaging 9.2 points per game. He's just a guy like between health issues, between drop issues. Uh, I mean, if you go back and look at the, the amount of uh, interceptions Daniel Jones threw when targeting Evan Ingram last year, it was laughable. Like, I mean, it, it was, it was a very, there was not a lot of chemistry there. Kenny Galladay's added to the offense. We'll see what they do with pick 11. I'm not convinced they take an offensive player or pick 11, but they might. It's something you have to consider, at least at this point. But, uh, like, this is kind of where he is for me. Like, I, I didn't feel like I could rank him lower because we haven't seen Higby yet. You know, I think Ebron, again, same thing. Of Like, there's not a lot, ton of upside there, even though there's a high floor. Everett, we don't know yet. Ferkser, we don't know yet. So this kind of felt like the, the spot for Evan Ingram there at 16. But I, I'm not thrilled with him like I wouldn't be thrilled to have him like it's you know you're going to get some good weeks he's probably going to get you nine ten points more often than not but I just I don't know what to do with him like I really don't know what to do with him we've seen him have top eight upside at times but we've also seen him just be a detriment to the offense at times and we've seen him be hurt so this is kind of where I think he is at this point. Like, I don't think I can justify I'm taking him much higher. If you want to push him below some of these guys, I'm not going to fight you on it. Like I said, he's, he's going to be a name my eyes just gloss over in fantasy drafts. Like I doubt I'm going to have any shares of him. It's the exact example I was talking about Kyle Pitts going from college to sticking your face in there in the NFL. I said last year before the season, he needs to play in an offense almost like L.A. last year in the Gerald Everett role where Tyler Higby's the guy sticking his face in there and Evan Ingram's the guy on the move. And you put him in motion, you can do some of that stuff. He still runs 4-3, still a matchup nightmare. But he's a workout freak combine guy that got all this hype and jumps in the first round. Who was good in college, but he was this tweener receiver thing, too small to stick his face in there. Joe Judge comes in, they want to run the ball, and they make him stick his face in there. His hand is in the dirt on almost every play, and it's just really detrimental to his game. And then he's hurt all the time. Well, that, that adds to the fact that he's going to be hurt all the time because now he's sticking his face in there too much. I, I agree with you. I, I see him now. And I get glossed over. And he was a guy that was perennial top five for the last couple of years. And the guy I got my question about with the profanity, Zach Ertz, 26. What the, are we, I, I get it. Like, I looked at it and I went, oh yeah, he still plays. Jalen Hurts, Dallas Goddard's at 12. There's no Carson Wentz, his boy. Does he even play in Philly? Does he get traded? Is he healthy? But Zach Ertz. At 26, kind of blew my mind. We got Evan Ingram goes from like five or six down to 16. Ernst goes from top four for like a decade to 26. Is he done, James? What's like 26? I think so. Like he was tight end 24 last year when he played. Like, I mean, it, it was it was bad. Now, if he gets traded, particularly if he gets traded to Indianapolis, he's gonna he'll he'll come up. He'll probably come into the top 20 at that point. Um, but this again goes to upside versus floor of, I don't know what Ertz's upside is anymore. Like he kind of, like he's, he was a guy that had a lot of success for a long time on just high volume, high volume, high volume. And I don't see him aside from maybe going to Indianapolis where he's going to go somewhere where he's going to get enough volume for the skill set that he still has left to be a starting tight end for you in a 12 or a 14 team league. You know, he might be somebody that is you pick up, you know, during bye weeks has a good matchup. If he stays in Philly, I want no part of it. Like, I, I don't know what this Philly passing offense is going to look like. I've talked about Jalen Hurts, and I think most of his value is going to be from running. Uh, but I don't know what this Philly offense is going to look like. They're going to probably add receiver 12, and they're going to add more. You know, so he's going to be clearly the second option there. Is he going to get targeted anywhere near as much as he was with Wentz? No. So, and, and he wasn't good in the half season he played last year. To me, aside from a trade to Indianapolis, 
he's like undraftable. If he goes there, then I think you can kind of throw him in that like Ebron Gronk ish mix of like, all right, you want to throw him there in that top 20 as a potential tight end two option to somebody you're interested in. Sure. But he's not going to be a priority for me. And I was really wrong about him last year. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of people that were like, no, the, this regression's coming. You, you got to get off the earth train, got to get off the earth train. And, and I wasn't doing it. And it, the earth train crashed last year and it wasn't very good. And now you don't have the quarterback situation. Isn't the same. The offensive situation isn't the same. You might not even be on that team and he hasn't been traded yet. So I can't, I can't rank him as he's going to get traded because it's, we're sitting here. It's April 5th. Hasn't been traded yet. We'll see what happens after the draft, but I, I don't know. Like he's, he's a big name. And I imagine there are going to be some leagues where he does get drafted just based on his name value alone. But I don't think he's got the upside to really be anywhere higher than somewhere in the twenties. I find myself having a Chris Schubert moment. I'm still on the train a little bit. No, no, no. You're either all the way in or you're all the way out. The Chris Schubert moment, you're in or you're out. There's no halfway I'm on the train. Then I'm, I'm, then I'm the guy that gave you the name of Hype Train, and I'm just kind of watching this. But I'm a little bit still on the train because I can't go all in on the train. If he ends up in, like, Las Vegas, if he ends up in L.A. with the Chargers, He's a veteran piece that a new change of scenery and getting the hell out of Philly. If he's healthy, I think he'd be a, be a fun piece to keep an eye on. Like I, I love where you have him. And I saw it and I was like, Oh my God, that's where we are now in fantasy. It's at yeah. 26. It's like psh, kind of blew my mind. But there's three or four places, even Miami. If he ends up getting traded for, you know, a six round pick or something, just because Philly wants to move on from the contract, get some stuff back. And the guy in front of him either gets hurt or they figure out a way to let him play too tight end like he did in Philly and some of these, like, Miami's interesting because they're going to be in a shotgun a ton, I think. Mm -hmm. That could be one, okay, he's playing with Jusecki, but Jusecki's playing more in the slot. And Ertz wasn't a stick-his-face-in-there guy, but he still had his hand in the dirt a lot. So there's some situations, and the Chargers, I'm still blown away. I think they got to add another tight end. But now we're adding him and, and Jared Cook together. That one's interesting. He's got to be healthy. I think the change of scenery could help. It's just a guy I want to keep an eye on, and maybe it's your speed dial waiver wire guy. But there's still something there. I'm still riding the hype train just a smidge until I just get totally smacked in the face. Now, I'm not talking like before round 15 that I might take a flyer on this, depending on if he gets traded and where it is. I agree with you. In Philly, done. This passing offense is going to suck. I don't care that they take a receiver at 11 or 12 or whatever they are. It's, it, I am not all in at all on the passing offense in Philly. So I'm, I am off the train completely if he's there. I'd love to see him in a different situation. Yeah, it, Philadelphia is going to have to come off there, at least the, the late, latest reported desire of a, of a day two pick for him because that ain't happening. No. That, that was the last report. They wanted a third-round pick for him, which is why he has yet to be traded. Yeah, no, not happening. Anything else in the tight end department, Jake, that you want to ask Jamie before we get out of here? Because he has answered all of my questions. I got, I got one. I'm going to throw one more out there because it's another big-name, freakish dude coming off an injury. But when you're talking about Mal's defeat, like, there's going to be some people going hungry in Tampa. O.J. Howard coming back really started to come into his own last year. They figured out how to use a matchup freaking nightmare. If you got Gronk and you still got Cameron Brait and you got all these other guys we've talked about ad nauseum, He's still a 6'6", 250 guy that runs 4'5", assuming he comes back off this injury. By all accounts, he looks great. Where would you put him? I know we're not going to rank him, but is it like well, a have, waiver I wire? I have him in my top 30. I have him in my top I mean, 30. He's at 29. It, it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a guy I think you got to pay attention to. Yeah. Like, if, if, if Cameron Braid or Gronk get hurt for four or five weeks, then he he's, is healthy. 
he really started coming to his own last year when he had that injury. It's kind of sucked because he was becoming a big play threat. And he's one of those guys, almost like Noah Fant, that has big, big playability. Yeah, that's why I kind of threw him there at the very back end of this top 30 list. Again, obviously for most leagues, especially in 12-team leagues, you're really not even looking outside the top 20, 21 for most of these guys. But I threw him there at 29. Like, he did look good last year. It looked like he finally started to kind of get it, uh, you know, from, a, from an all-around standpoint. There's so many mouths to feed there in Tampa. He's going to need some injuries, which, again, to be fair, I mean, injuries for Tampa pass catchers haven't exactly been scarce in recent years. It's been, unfortunately, it's been a piece of the puzzle. But – you know, he's somebody that would be interesting if he something happens with Gronk or there, there's a you know some hamstring issues with a receiver or two, and he could be a guy that during bye weeks that you go, yeah, you know, he's sitting there on waivers. I'm going to take a chance on him. I'm going to so he's somebody who should be on your radar. I don't think you're drafting him anywhere, uh, but he's somebody that at least would be, at least be aware of when you start to get into bye weeks. And and look, we don't know what this 17 game season is going to look like. And in terms of, are we going to see some more players, particularly older players, play a little bit fewer snaps earlier in the season to extend longevity? You know, we've, we've talked about that a lot with running backs. Does that happen with Gronk, for example? Does that happen with some of these other players where, you know, maybe Gronk's on the field, but is on the field in select, more select, high advantageous for the offense situations. And you see OJ Howard on the field and maybe more of the between the 20s type of scenario. I don't know. Hey, just something to kind of consider, but a great he's somebody that needs to be on your radar. It's a great point with a 17-game schedule. I can see some coaches, especially coaches on good teams that want to make a run, sitting guys down for a week or two. Like, okay, yeah, almost almost NBA load management, especially you're talking about a guy like Gronk who played 20 games last year, first time in his career, but they saw the difference when he's out there. And then you have a guy like OJ coming back. Okay, say you have a couple weeks where you're playing – you know, a team with a backup quarterback and you really feel like you're going to win or a lesser team. And you're like, hey, Gronk's you're getting tired, right? And they got all of this GPS stuff and all the sports science stuff. Now I can see guys sitting guys for a couple weeks, but you love to fit in the offense that a guy like OJ Howard would then take over there. The one thing that scares me there is you just don't know when it's going to happen, when it's going to boom or bust. Yeah. Like, I can see OJ playing and having three touchdowns on 140 yards and not having a catch for five weeks. Yeah. And that's the thing that scares me in that offense. But I love the fact that he's coming back. And I think he's another big freak athlete guy that we have to mention while we're talking about the tight end show I'm, I'm glad you have him in the top 30 now let's get out of here by teasing i will use this opportunity for my final thoughts to tell everybody what is coming the remainder of the week here on the pod wednesday a very special this one. we're just taking a small break a one episode break from these breakdown of jamie's rankings they will return next week wide receivers and running backs coming at you next week but our break because on wednesday we're going to duel here on the show. We are going to have our April fantasy mock draft. It is going to be a 12-team redraft format. We're each going to have four teams that we're drafting for. Order is going to be randomized. So you're going to see what a draft would look like here in April, uh, what we would do in our situation so we can see, you know, we know. And let's see, Jake, we have a little bit of insight. Jake, we know how Jamie's going to draft. He doesn't you know think? how we're going to draft. So we might be you know, able to I'm going to steal Aaron Jones from his ass. I know that. I, said, I did that first round in December. I'm, I'm stealing Aaron Jones from here, Jamie. So. He's getting sniped yeah. one if, way or another. If, I don't care how this thing worked out. If Jake has the first pick, Aaron Jones might be the pick, just <laughs> so Jamie might. can't have him. And it, we'll see where the might. draft it goes might. from there. So that is what you have to look forward to on Wednesday. Uh, Jake, your final thoughts here on the Monday edition of the show. I'm pumped about this tight ends, man. This was a good one. I mean, we went last year where it was scarce for a while there to talk about guys into the 20s that I think could give you significant value and I really, the longer we start talking about this, the more I felt like quarterbacks, guys. Like, don't go quarterback early. You can wait and get some damn good value. 
I mean, Kelsey's going to give you wide receiver one value, right? We know that. So is Kittle. So is Waller. If you're not going to reach for those guys, you can really sit back and wait and get Matt Stafford at quarterback or get some of these other guys late at the tight end position. I'm kind of jacked about where we could do. I think you need two. I, I really do. The more we talked about it, I think there's enough guys to have two. But I think you can take a flyer on one that like Gerald Everett could have some upside and then take a safer guy. Man, there's a bunch of guys. That was exciting to do. I think to piggyback off of Jake's point here, I think what I would advocate for is I'm okay with going and spending premium capital within reason on these top guys. Don't reach for anybody in the middle class. And I think that's the point I want to make here. Like, don't reach for Hawkinson. Don't reach for Noah Fan. Don't reach for Kyle Pitts. I like those guys, and I like those guys on different levels, but there's enough depth. Now, it's unreliable depth because we don't know, you know, we don't know whether there's a lot of guys there with some upside, but not very high floors. But for me, I wouldn't go out there and I wouldn't put a heavy priority on being around early on the fans and the Hawkinsons and the Logan Thomases and the Kyle Pitts of the world. Cause I think they're going to be enough pieces below that. If you mix and match enough and you stay active on the free agent wire and you're paying attention during the preseason, you'll be able to find some low end tight end one value. I wouldn't reach for that tight end seven tight end eight type of a range. If you want to commit to, Hey, I, I, and you're in a draft spot where you can, or the draft kind of falls your way where it's like, eh, you know, Kelsey might be my best choice here, or Kittle might be my best choice in this round, or Waller. I really, you know, that's one thing because I think you're going to get the return there. Don't reach for that middle class because I think the floor on even a guy like a Hawkinson or a Fant or a Logan Thomas is a little bit scarier considering where they could end up being, even if we really like them and we think their ceiling is pretty high too. So that's my thought here. Don't reach on the middle class. Either you're going to prioritize the top three guys in particular. Or you're going to kind of let the draft come to you and kind of find out which of these tight ends is going to come at a value to you in the middle rounds. That's going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. Jake, where can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. Jamie, the same question. Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter and at Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram. And the draftnetwork.com under the fantasy tab is where Jamie has dropped all of these rankings. You can pull them up and follow along while you're listening to the podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at shoe radio, S C H U radio. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at TDN fantasy. And like I said, the Wednesday edition of the show should be a good one. Our April fantasy mock draft 12 team redraft format. Come on back. Listen to us, argue, bicker, steal players from one another should be a good time. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.